Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to Valley Creek Church. We want to give a big welcome to all our campuses, whether you're in Denton, Venue, Flower Mound, online, wherever you are in the world. We are so glad that you're here with us today. And we are excited because next weekend we get to officially commission and launch our Louisville campus launch team. And so what that means is next week we're having a baby. And how many of you know that when you have a baby, everything changes? I remember when we first had Trey and we brought him home from the hospital, man, it was like everything changed. We didn't have a clue what to do with this new baby. I remember going in and seeing him in his crib and just making sure he was still breathing. You know, you, you didn't know how to hold him. You didn't know how to feed him. And, and all of a sudden life got a whole lot more complicated. Like it used to be really easy for Colleen and I to just kind of grab a backpack and head out the door and go on a trip. And then all of a sudden you got a baby and it's like, you need an extra car just to carry all the gear that you need for this baby. And, and it changed everything. It changed how we used our finances, how we spent our time, what our focus and priorities would, would be. It's amazing how one little baby can totally change you from being a selfish person or a selfish person to being a selfless person. Because all of a sudden you realize, here's this baby. You got to care for it. You got to feed it. You got to pray for it. You got to pay for it. Like, like it totally is dependent upon you. It changed everything in our lives. And then I remember a few years later, we had Emma, our, our second baby. And as she came along, you know, things changed. But this time you're a little bit more like aware of what's going to happen. You're not as panicked. You know, with Trey, the pacifier would fall on the floor. You would like boil it in hot water and throw it out and buy a new one. Emma, you just wipe it off on your pants and shove it back in, <laughs> in her mouth. And so you knew a little bit more what to do. But it was interesting to me how much it changed things for Trey. Because all of a sudden, he's not the one that's sleeping in our bed anymore. And he doesn't get all that extra time with mom. And now he has some responsibilities he has to do to help us take care of Emma. And that's the reality of a growing family. That roles and relationships and responsibilities, they, they begin to change. But that's healthy. When a family grows, the people in that family are, in a sense, forced to mature. Like that big burly guy all of a sudden has a baby and he starts doing the goo goo gaga baby thing, you know, right? Like, and that person that was super selfish learns how to serve, everything changes. And it's amazing as I've watched a lot of us over the past few years as we've launched our Denton campus and as we launched our venue campus, I've watched as how we've had those babies, those births, if you will, how it's changed us and matured us as a people. And I believe God's going to do the same thing as we launch the Louisville campus. And so the reality is, is at the end of the day, you're not ever really ready to have that baby. And it's a whole lot of work, but it's so worth it. And so all I want to do with us today is I just want to have a conversation. We haven't had one of these in a while, kind of a kitchen table conversation. We like to call it like a family as you sit down together and dialogue, because I want you to be prepared and I want you to kind of know what to expect, how God's moving and what that means for you as we walk into this next season. And so I just want to share some things from my heart with you. Are you OK with that for today? So just a couple thoughts in this series, but here's where we are as we're having a baby. Five things I want you to grasp. First thing is this, the kingdom of God is a movement, not a religion. If you go all the way back to the beginning, right from the beginning, the kingdom was a movement. 
The first thing God says to Adam and Eve is Genesis 1.28. Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. It's a movement. He says, guys, I want you to be fruitful. I want you to live to the fullest of your potential. And if you understand, within fruit is contained seeds. In fact, the whole reason you grow fruit is so those seeds will scatter and that you'll be able to multiply. Reproduce the life that was in you or in that tree into something else. And that was always the original commission for us. We're called to expand the rule and reign of God, to bring heaven to earth, to bring order to chaos and love to hate and peace to, to despair, if you will. I mean, Habakkuk 2 says the knowledge of the Lord will fill or the knowledge or I'm saying it backwards for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Like it's a movement. It's going to start here and it's going to keep going out. It's the reason Jesus says in Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all nations, like, like start where you are, but then it's going to keep moving beyond here. Or Acts 1.8, it says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, your city, Judea, Samaria, your region, and to the ends of the earth. The kingdom of God has always been about a movement. Whether it was Noah, Abraham, Jacob, the Israelites, the disciples, or us, following Jesus has never been about a moral religion. It's been about a moving kingdom that comes from the heart of God to bring life to this dying world. I mean, just if you think about it at the end of the day, Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. He came to release within us a multiplying life. Matthew 4, 19, follow me. I'll make you a fisher of men. Like there's more for you. Matthew 6, 10, pray that your kingdom would come, that it would start right where we are, it would come and it would keep coming. Jesus didn't die to establish a religion. He died to release a kingdom. And there is a very big difference between those things. I mean, if you, if you just look at the book of Acts, the book of Acts is fascinating to me because the book of Acts is really... The story of a kingdom movement, not the establishment of a religion. It, it's really the birth of the church, if you will. And, and just think about it. Just walk with me through some of the chapters quick. Acts chapter 1, Jesus is gone. you got 120 terrified people hiding out in the upper room because they think they're going to get killed too. Then in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit is poured out. The gospel is preached. 3,000 people get saved and the church is established. In Acts chapter 3, Peter and John heal a crippled man who had been crippled for 40 years, and the whole city of Jerusalem goes into this amazement. In Acts chapter 4, uh, the, the apostles and the disciples in the church are moving in such power that the place where they were meeting literally is shaken. In Acts chapter 5, they're on such a roll and such a movement that they're casting out demons, healing people, doing signs and wonders. In Acts chapter 6, they start giving the ministry away to the people so the people can go and do what God created them to do. And it says the church starts to multiply at that point. In Acts chapter 7, the Pharisees, they try to stop the movement of God with persecution and they kill Stephen. But what they tried to stop, they actually expanded because in Acts chapter eight, it says they scattered throughout Judea and Samaria, preaching the gospel wherever they went, bringing joy to the cities. In Acts chapter nine, the apostle Paul is saved. In Acts chapter 10, the gospel goes to the Gentiles. And now all people have access to the movement and the life and the resurrection of Jesus. In Acts chapter 11, we watch as it starts going from city to city and nation to nation nation and country to country. You get to Acts 17. It says they turn the world upside down. You get to Acts 29. There is no Acts 29. It stops at 28. 
29 is the story of the church from that point on up into this day. It is a movement. And it is amazing what one man and 12 disciples, how they changed the face of the earth. No persecution, no resistance, no obstacles has ever been able to stop it because it's supernatural. Matthew 16, 18, Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He says, hey, this is a movement. We're on the offense and hell is on the defense. In Acts chapter 5, the Pharisees are trying to stop the church. Listen to what this says. A teacher of the law, one of the Pharisees, he stands up as they're all in panic because they see this movement happening. They know they're losing power. And here's what he says. He says, therefore, in this present case, the apostles are in jail. He says, I advise you to the rest of the Pharisees, leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourself fighting against God. That is great. He says, hey, let's just let wisdom be proved by her actions. If this is of human origin, it's going to stop itself. But if this is of God, there ain't nothing you can do to stop it. And you'll spend your life fighting against the very thing that God is doing. I mean, just think about movements for a second. You can probably think of all kinds of different movements that you've experienced in your lifetime. Maybe some famous ones that that just you can think of in history, like the American Revolution or the Civil Rights Movement. What happens is there is a message that is declared and people start to believe in that message. And as they believe in that message, they become captured by a mission. And as enough people sacrifice for that mission, a movement is released. And so you can think about that in terms of any movement that you can think of, but think about it in terms of the gospel, the the kingdom of God. We start to believe in the message of Jesus. And as we believe in the message of Jesus, we become captured by his mission. And as enough of us sacrifice for that mission, a movement is released into the world around us. When we believe that Jesus is who he says he is and did what he said he did, we will become captured by his mission to seek and save the lost. And when enough of us, enough of us start sacrificing for that mission, the kingdom movement is released and nothing can stop it. That's what you are invited to be a part of. And yet we so often, we we want the fruit of the movement without the sacrifice of the mission. But but that's just not how it works. And, And so I want you to think about it like this. Like the Bible is the story of God building a family for himself and he wants his beloved children to go and find his lost children. That's a movement worth giving your life to. And the amazing part is, is when you become a part of a movement, you start to mature. Like, did you ever stop and ask yourself the question, like, how do we really grow in Jesus? Like, how, how does all this work? Like, how do we really grow? It's real. I was just thinking about it this week. It's really simple. Here's how it goes. You receive his grace. Starts with the grace of Jesus. You then respond to that grace and you start getting involved with what he's doing. You then start to grow in your life with him. And then you start to give. You start to give of yourself, your time, talent, and treasures to be a part of the movement of God. It's really that simple. In fact, that's what I think Jesus was saying in Mark 8 when he says, then he called the crowd to him along with his disciples. So they received grace because everything with you and God starts with his initiation towards you. He calls you, you don't call him. So you receive his grace 
And then when you receive it, you have the option to then get involved. It's the only natural response. And he said, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross. You're going to get involved because you've received his grace and follow me. You'll start to grow and become like him. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. You will start to give of your time, your talent, and treasures of your very self to be a part of the movement of God. And that's how we grow. I mean, listen, the church always gets in trouble when she turns inward. When she tries to live for herself, she finds herself in a great deal of trouble because we don't exist for ourselves, we exist for them. Like the parable of the talents, a story you're probably familiar with, right? The master gives one guy five talents, one guy two talent, one guy one talent. He says, I'm going away. I want you to multiply this. And the guy with five turns it into 10. The guy with two turns it into four. They come to the master. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. I'm going to give you even more because you're faithful to multiply, to, to steward well what I gave you. And the guy with one was afraid, so he buried it in the ground. And when the master comes back, he pulls it out and he goes and gives it to the master. And the master looks at him and he shakes his head and he says, take that away from him and give it to the guy with 10. Because at the end of the day, in the kingdom of God, you will always lose what you do not use. We are not meant to hold on to things. And what happens in the church is we forget we're a movement and we start to become an established religion and we try to hold on to what we like. This is my preference. This is my service time. This is my campus. This is my leader. This is my friend. This is my relationship. Okay, I'm just telling you in the kingdom of God, you lose whatever you do not use. Whatever you bury or hold on to, you will use it. Why? Because God expects us to multiply and be a part of a movement. You need flow in your life. You need to receive and you need to release. You need to be fruitful and you need to multiply because fruit rots when it sits on the vine. And so we got to keep multiplying. We got to multiply as individuals and we got to multiply organizationally. So here's what I want to say Denton Campus, you are established, you are thriving, you are healthy, you are about three years old. And in the next 24 months, you're going to launch a campus out of the Denton Campus because you're going to multiply into the next part of the city and the region up there. And, and if you don't, it'll start to unwind on yourself. And so we're just going to declare that over you today. Flower Mound and Venue, we're pretty much, most of the people going to Louisville are coming out of this camp, these two campuses. Well, we're sending them, and then what we're going to do, we're going to reach people in the city. We're going to bring them back in. We're going to raise them up in the Lord. And then as soon as we're healthy and mature to be able to do that, we're going to launch another campus. And oh, by the way, Louisville, don't think this is all about you. You're going to go and get started, and you're going to get established. And the moment you become healthy enough to mature and reproduce, you're going to launch another campus. And we're going to be a church that has extension sites and campuses and leaders. And we're going to keep bringing Jesus-focused, spirit-filled, life-giving people and campuses to saturate this entire area. Okay? Because it's a movement, not a religion. That's the great privilege of our lives. Second thing I want you to get is, is that our desire is to reach the lost and develop leaders. Like, like our whole vision is really simple. It's to help people take the on their journey with Jesus. Basically, that means we want to help people get from where they are to where God wants them to be. And we got a really simple strategy, just five things we do around here. We make missional moves when we take a next step so someone else can take theirs. 
We then want to get people in gatherings where they can uh, come to a gathering just like this and receive impartation, the word taught over their life and encounter the presence of God. We want to see them get in groups where they can experience life transformation with other people. We want to raise up the next generation. And then we want to develop leaders to help every individual become who God created them to be. And then we launch those leaders back out into the world to go make the next missional move to reach more people and drop them through the same Plinko board. And that's the cycle, the strategy, the simple nature of what God has asked us to do. And that sure sounds like Jesus' strategy, doesn't it? Come and see. Go and make. And it's amazing as how we step into that reality, how every time we multiply, bring grace and truth to new neighborhoods, we reach new people and new leaders have to rise up because new people have to do the work of ministry. That's the beauty of the whole thing. See, sometimes we get so focused on, oh, we're going to go reach those people. Yeah. Do you understand as we've been thinking about reaching those people, really what's been happening is a whole lot of you have been growing in your maturity with Jesus because all of a sudden you got to do new things to reach those people and care for them. That's the beauty of it. Like, listen to me. We believe in the redemptive potential of humanity, which means we believe every person was created to live free as a beloved son or daughter. That every person was created to know who they are, who God is, and what they were created to do. And I'll go even one step farther. We believe that every person was created to be a kingdom-minded leader. That's what we want for them. But hear me, that's what we want for you. Like at the end of the day, I'm not trying to give you a nice church experience. I'm trying to help you become like Jesus. And that's the best church experience you will ever have. And and being a part of a kingdom movement, it keeps this pressure on you that keeps drawing you towards God so you continue to grow spiritually in your own life. Like I remember last year having a conversation with a friend of mine. He's been in this church for years and and he said to me, he said, he said, man, he said, I've just kind of been thinking lately. He said, we've invited a lot of our friends to this church over the years. He said, and I I can pretty much lump them into two categories at the end of the day. He says, there's a whole group of people. We invite them and they come and they love it. Like their life is completely transformed. They buy into it. They, they find Jesus in a new way. They learn what a lifestyle of next steps is all about. And their life completely changes. He says, then there's a second group and they come and they usually come for a few months. And he said, and then they just kind of disappear. And we always follow up with them and say like, hey, like, where have you been? Did you, did you like the church? And, and he said, they almost always say the exact same thing back. Like, oh, it was a great church. And, and it was amazing. And we had a great experience. But but it's comfortably uncomfortable. And I looked at him, I said, what does that mean? He said, well, every one of them to a T says it's comfortable. It's welcoming, it's friendly, you can get involved. You know that the people want you there, but they all kind of say back, it's a little uncomfortable because we're not really interested in taking next steps. We were just kind of looking for religion to make us feel good. So that's not the church for us. If, you're, if you can really handle it, that is like one of the greatest compliments that could be given to us. Because I think Jesus was comfortably uncomfortable. He met you where you were, but he refused to allow you to stay there. Because he kept walking and he said, you're going to walk with me and we'll go at your pace. I won't, I won't, I won't go too fast for you, but, but we're going to start moving and we're going to get there together. Because God has some great things in store for you. And so we need to learn to like move in that direction together and believe it because the truth is, is at the end of the day, there's always a cost to following Jesus. 
It's not convenient. It's not always comfortable. You're going to have to embrace some change. Some of you, it's, it's changing relationships. Like maybe all of your friends are going to Louisville, but God told you to stay here. That's different. And you're going to have to be willing to change up leaders and like all oh, that leader I really like. They're going there now and that's how oh, and, and those different kinds of things. Yes, but it is always worth it. It is always worth it at the end of the day. And it's really easy to say you value reaching the lost and developing leaders, but you know what you really value by what you're willing to sacrifice for it. Romans 8.32, God says, or for, it says, For he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, will he not then in him give us all things? I want you to think about this. Jesus is how much the Father values He valued reaching the lost and developing leader so much that he gave his prized possession, his one and only son. He canceled your debt and he credited your account. He found you when you were lost, but he wants to develop you into a leader. You see, you have to think a little bit bigger here. He wants to forgive your sins, but he wants to give you the keys to the kingdom of God. Like, I need you to catch this. God is not okay He is not content with you just receiving the forgiveness of your sins. He wants you to flourish. And way too many of us have bought into this thing that all God wants to do is forgive us of our sins and give us a ticket to heaven and that's it. No, God is not content with that. He wants all of his children to be found and flourish. That's why the word salvation in the Bible is the word sozo. It means to save, to heal, and to make whole. He doesn't just want to forgive you of your sins. He wants to make you whole, give you a life of purpose, develop you to be a kingdom-minded leader where you're fruitful and multiplying, filling the earth, making disciples, living above the failure of Adam, now included in the victory of Jesus, destroying the works of darkness, bringing heaven to earth and living a life that is so much bigger than getting up, going to work, going to school, coming home and just turning on Netflix. Come on. We got to think bigger and he proved it. And what I want you to see from us is, is that we value reaching the lost and developing leaders because we're giving everything for it. We're sending some of our best leaders. We're putting finances, resources, effort, energy, because that's what we value. Okay. And that's what I hope you learn to value over time. Third thing is, is that when next steps are taken, greater things are released. When we take next steps in moments like this, greater things are released among us. Like one of the greatest foundational truths you could ever grab is this truth. Wherever God is leading you is better than where you have been. If you believe just that, it'll change your life. The faith to follow releases heaven into the world around you. At the heart of every next step you take is a revelation of more of Jesus. We discover the abundant life as we take steps of obedience. Just think about the Israelites. They were in Egypt, enslaved, and then God shows up and he asks them to step out of Egypt and then to step across the Red Sea and then to step through the wilderness. And they got to experience the manna from heaven and the pillar of cloud by day and fire by night and water from a rock and great victories. Then he wanted them to cross the Jordan River. Then they got into the promised land. With every step, greater things were released. Think of the disciples. They started at their little boats on the shore of the Sea of Galilee and Jesus asked them to leave it. Well, I'm not so sure I want to leave this, Jesus, until you paint the full picture of where we're going. Just leave your boat, Peter. It's going to be better. And with every step he took, he followed Jesus into the lives of other people. And he watched Jesus raise the dead, calm the storms, heal the sick, multiply, do miracles. And ultimately, Peter got filled with the Holy Spirit. Every step, it got better. Okay, think of us. 
Some of you don't even know this part of the story. Six years ago, the founding pastor of this church took a next step and went to China as a missionary. And some young guy had to step into that role and figure out how to do it. And then we went from three services in our old Flower Mound building to four services and then to five services. Then we expanded the Flower Mound campus. Then we launched the Denton campus. Then we launched the Venue campus. We're about to launch the Louisville campus. And with every step we've taken, greater things have been released. That's how God does it. He's almost like saying to us, like, hey, you want greater things? Then take a next step. Because wherever I'm taking you is better than where you've been. I mean, listen to this. Acts chapter six. I love this. It says in those days when the number of disciples was increasing, sounds like Valley Creek, they're growing. The Greek Jews among them complained that the Hebrew Jews uh, were being overlooked because of their widows or their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. In other words, there was so much ministry to do. They couldn't do it all. So the 12 gathered all the disciples together and said it would not be right for us to neglect our job. And our job is to do the ministry of the word, teach the word, in order to wait on tables. Brothers, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this over to them and we will give our attention, because this is what we're supposed to do, to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group and they chose you. People full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. They presented these men and women to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread, the number of disciples in Jerusalem multiplied, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Can you catch it? There's so many people and so much ministry to do that the disciples figured out, they're like, hey, our job description is to preach the word, pray, and develop leaders. So you know what we need? We need to give the ministry away. We need to raise some people up. They need to take some next steps. We need to take a next step. We'll pass this on. And then all of a sudden, everything will will move in the direction that it's supposed to go. And when it says in verse 7, the disciples in Jerusalem multiplied, it's the first time in the book of Acts the word multiply is used. Up until then, it just keeps saying the Lord added to their number. The Lord added to their number. The Lord added to their number. They multiplied. Because now a bunch of people stepped up into a new role, which allowed everyone to do new things, which allowed the multiplying movement of the kingdom of God to go to new places. And and so what I'm trying to say to you is, as we're all taking next steps together, there is a multiplying movement of God. And, And what I want you to get from me is I'm not asking you to do something. I never ask you to do things I won't do myself. Like, like some of you, you're like, well, we, we've never done this before. We don't know. Okay. Can I say, I've never led four campuses before. I don't know how to do that, but I know this. My job description is actually in that thing. My job is to teach the word, to pray and develop leaders. And so we got to keep giving the ministry away to you. And we got to keep raising up campus pastors and ministry leaders and team leaders and serve team members and small group leaders and people that are just a part of what God wants to do. And so uh, in the next season, by the end of this year, we're going to have Flower Mound campus pastors. Just like Denton and Venue and Louisville has, that's the next step. Like greater things are going to be released as next steps are taken. And so I'm going to take a next step to do what God's called me to do. Someone else is going to fill a role that I've been kind of occupying. Not all that well for you Flower Mound people. It's going to get better. And and, and then other people have to step into that role. That's how it works, though. And so don't let what was keep you from what is, because I bet you God has some great things he wants to release through your next step. You with me on that? Okay, fourth thing is this, is that stepping up is just as important as being sent. This is really important. Sometimes when we talk about like launching a campus, we can get so into talking about who is going that we forget to celebrate and talk about who is staying. 
Yes, hundreds of people are going to Louisville, but that means hundreds of people have to step up and fill the spaces that they're leaving. I mean, think of Acts chapter 13, the church at Antioch. Here's what it says. In the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius of Cyrene, Manaean, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and they sent them off. So catch it. Barnabas and Paul, okay, they're the church leaders at Antioch. And God says, hey, I want you to multiply. So they're like, okay, Lord. And they send off Barnabas and Paul. Now, they went. But what happened to the church at Antioch? We talk about who was sent, but what about who stepped up? Because someone had to take Barnabas's role. Someone had to take Paul's role. And you have to think about this. Like, that, that's a big deal. Like, Paul basically planted around 20 churches in his life. And if every time he went to plant a church, the church he left crumbled, that wouldn't really be a kingdom movement, would it? Yes, we want to take new ground, but we have to fortify the ground we currently have. And so as people are going, there is space created for you that we need you to fill. Like Jesus says to the disciples, hey, guys, it's good for you that I'm going away. And then he says to him, John 14, I tell you the truth. We talked about that last week. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. He says, hey, guys, I'm being sent and you're going to step up. And it's actually for your good that I'm going because if I stay, you'll keep expecting me to do everything. And by me creating space for you, you're going to be forced to step into it and you're going to rise and thrive and you're going to do things you never thought possible. And what happened? Matthew wrote a gospel. Peter preached the first message where 3,000 people got saved. Philip became the first missionary, all because Jesus got out of the way, in a sense, and created space, gave them the Holy Spirit, and they got to do even greater things than Jesus was doing. And they didn't know what they were doing. I mean, Acts 4.13 says they were, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men. Anyone ever feel like that? Come on. Unschooled, ordinary people who just say, Jesus, if you're asking me to step into a new space, I'll do it. I wonder what kind of adventure God's going to take you on. Because there are people for you to serve, people for you to lead, people for you to love. There's faith for you to carry. There's worship for you to give. There's prayers for you to pray. Listen, we, need, we are not okay without you. Yes, a lot of people are going. But everyone that stays, we need you to fill in that space so we can be who God has called us to be. And the last thing is this, is that seasons of multiplication have a unique grace for growth. That is a very wordy statement. But it's true. There is something about every time we add a service, launch a campus, make a missional move. It's like there is a grace for spiritual growth. It's almost like what God is saying is he's saying, hey, I'm going to honor you and your willingness to be a part of my mission by giving you accelerated growth in this season. In fact, if you read the Bible, it's super biblical. Like if you look at the book of Acts, I can't believe how fast those people grew. Or you look at Timothy, this young man, how fast he grew with Paul because they were multiplying. And he becomes the church, at, a pastor at the church of Ephesus, the most influential church in the first century. And then I look at you. Every time we add a service, multiply or make a missional move, I watch an accelerated spiritual growth in you. And so here's what I want to say. Don't miss it. If you heard nothing else I said, who cares? Don't 
miss it. When the river of God is flowing, don't ask questions, just jump in. When God's pouring new wine, drop your old wine skin and just pick up a new one. When God is whispering, quiet yourself and lean in because he's got something good for you. And so my hope is that every person in this church that you'll go through our next steps journey, really simple thing that we put together for you to just help you say like, okay, how do we move? Okay, this is really simple. I hope every, I don't care if you've been here for 10 years or you've been here for 10 minutes. I hope every one of you go through this, like that you'll accept Jesus as Lord and get water baptized and, and that you'll engage in our gatherings, not just show up, but be here with faith, hope, and love. And that you'll go to the pathway and you'll learn about who we are and what's happening and how to be involved and to be a party. If you've been here 10 years, you're like, oh, I was a member 10 years ago. That's great. We don't even have members anymore. That shows you how out of date that thinking is. Go to the pathway. And then after that, we hope you get in a group where you can have other people and godly relationships to change with. And then we hope you'll join a serve team because God's placed gifts in you that this church needs. We hope you'll find freedom and go to the freedom gathering because healthy people get healthier and free people get freer. In fact, the only people that don't want to get free are people that are in bondage. Because people that are on a journey of freedom want as much freedom as Jesus offers. And then I hope you'll go to leader step and learn how to be a kingdom-minded leader in whatever sphere of life you're in, like in your world, and then live a life of mission and next steps with Jesus, just asking, listening, and responding. And so when service is over out in the atrium, there's all those stations. Just go sign up. It's as simple as that. I mean, we've made it about as easy as we can make it for you. All you got to do is sign up. They'll follow up with you an email this week, give you the dates and the times to just take a step on your journey with Jesus. And then we've got three areas in particular, kids, students, and our host teams, ushers, greeters, parking, cafe, info, all that stuff that a lot of space is created because a lot of people are moving I mean, jump in the game, come invest in lives with us and serve people with us. I mean, think about it, Peter went from an insecure fisherman to one of the greatest leaders of all time. And you're like, I can't do that. Really? Why not? Can I ask you that question today? Well, I, I can't be like those spiritually mature people or the people in about. Why? My question is just why not? Maybe we need to have more faith in Jesus' ability to free us than Satan's ability to ensnare us. Maybe we need to have more faith in Jesus' ability to transform us than this world's ability to trap us. Why not? Why not you? And why not now? Only you can answer that question. 3 John 4, John is an old man. And he writes and he says, I have no greater joy than to see my children walk in the truth. He's not talking about his biological children. He's talking about all of the disciples that he got to be a part of, the kingdom movement that he was. He got to say, he's literally sitting there as an old man and he's thinking about campuses and leaders and churches and people and, and homes and families. He said, I have no greater joy than to see the people I loved and invested my life into walking with Jesus. No greater joy. We look for joy in Netflix and in money and all that stuff. Well, he just told us there's no greater joy. So maybe if we want some happiness in our life, maybe some of that is actually found in being a part of a kingdom movement and giving our life away 
so that we might live in the kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy. When the bride falls in love with the groom, she can't wait to have babies. Agreed? Some of you are like, I don't know. <laughs> Just go with it. When the bride falls in love with the groom, she can't wait to have babies. When the bride of Christ falls in love with her groom, she can't wait to have children. She can't wait to be fruitful and multiply and reproduce his life into the world around us. Next week, we're about to have a sister. Okay? And so we're going to come, and we're going to commission that team. And then, we didn't do this last time when we sent out the last campuses, but this is what we're going to do this time. We're going to commission everyone that's staying to be the fullness of who God's called them to be in this time and this season. And so if you've been with us on this journey, we made missional move breakthrough commitments last May, giving towards this, uh, the, the movement of the campus and the Next Step Center. So if you made a commitment, I want to encourage you to come next week ready to, to either catch up to where you're supposed to be or to finish it up if you can so we can move into that thing and be debt-free and be done with it. And then for those of you that have joined us along the way and you want to sow into this, come and be ready to give a special offering for the Lord. But we're going to celebrate and multiply and believe in that process that there is a unique grace for breakthrough and change in your life. Okay? So close your eyes with me. Let me just ask you, man, I feel like God is speaking today. And so what did he want to say to you? The amazing part about being a part of a church family like this is we're all in different places. You may have just walked in for the first time today or, or you may have been leading for a long time or you may have been here for a long time and you know God's asking you to get off the sidelines and get in the game or, or maybe you, you were discouraged about all your friends going but now you have hope that God's got new friends for you in this next season. I, I don't know, I just know this, that God is a good God and he speaks exactly what we need to hear when we need to hear it. And so my encouragement and my challenge to you would be Respond to this season and what God is doing and don't let it pass you by. Jesus, thank you that we are a multiplying church that's a part of a movement. We just ask that you would keep just showing us a life bigger than we're currently living. It's not established religion. It's a movement of a kingdom and we are the sons and daughters of the king. And everything we invest into, we're investing into our inheritance. And we're investing into the glorifying nature of our Father. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would speak within us. You would challenge us. You would convict us where we need to be convicted. You would give us compassion where we need compassion. And that we would be fruitful and multiply. And fill this space, this time, these campuses, these cities with the knowledge and the glory of the goodness of God. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen.